0: The following podcast contains explicit language.
1: Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm David Wallace Wells, and with me today, as always, are Maureen O'Connor, New York sex columnist. Hey, Maureen. Hey, David. And Allison Davis of the Cut. Hey, Allison. Hey, David. Before we get to the actual show, we want to announce very excitedly that we've set up a Sex Lives voicemail box at 646. 494-3590 and are going to implore you to call in every week at some point during the show when something occurs to us that we want to hear from you from
2: or if you just really think you've got something to say to us
1: long confessional we'll voicemails are totally fine <laughs> absolutely <laughs> the, more the better. Um, today we're going to be talking about men who don't want to go down on women and what's wrong with them and we're also going to be talking to sylvia from how to make me come which was a I think a Tumblr blog that we loved, and there's now a sex podcast, which we're also super into. But first, Allison Maureen, I know both of you guys were super into this story this week about how iCloud actually broke up a celebrity couple.
0: Yes. Uh, so Gavin Rossdale of, was it Bush? Was that his
1: he's, 90s He's man? mostly famous for being married to... to Gwen Stefani. Yeah. Right, being
0: a hot
2: guy married to Gwen, yeah.
1: But
0: also, like, Glycerine was a good song, just like that out there. Uh, <laughs> but they are recently divorced, and it's come to pass that that the reason they divorced is because Gavin was having, unsurprisingly, a long-term affair with their, or just banging their nanny for like <laughs> three years.
1: Don't dignify like it with fair. Like a
0: long-term affair. So he was, she was, he was banging the nanny. Three years of way, banging is something, though. That is true. That's long. That is a long-term commitment. That's somebody. long enough
2: to learn how to make her come,
0: right? <laughs> fair enough. Tying to in, Mo, um, but it came to pass the way. Uh, they Gwen found out about the affair was through an iCloud sync in which she saw text between the two of them on an iPad. I think another nanny actually found it and reported yeah. it Yeah, so it was like a nanny. The a other nanny, thing was kind of that nannies. I was like,
2: "How many nannies do they have?" He was like one, like, "One of well, one of the other nannies." That I was like, "Damn, there's like a web of nannies. You have that many <laughs> nannies, like." The chance that one of them is going to be sexy.
0: Right. But uh, this whole thing made me think that Apple is in some sort of conspiracy. Like, there's an iCloud conspiracy against or relationships in general. I don't know. Like, I've had a lot of iCloud gaffes when it comes to relationships and, like, syncing and seeing messages from my exes come back really? up. Yeah. There's, like, a thing where my phone, no matter how many new phones I've gotten since my last breakup, will... Um, auto-correct anything I start typing with L-O as Lauren Sick, which is my ex-boyfriend and how I used to say I miss you. And it's like a little gut punch every time. That's horrible. It sucks at this. It can't. So you can't say LOL. I can't say LOL without being sad.
2: <laughs> that is a crime against laughter. I know. I have a friend who she was dating this guy, and she's at his house, and she's like, "Oh, I need to like check, you know, some website or email or something." And he goes, "Oh, here's my iPad," and he goes in the next room, and she's literally on his iPad, and she sees iMessages start popping up as he is literally sexting another woman. See, this is. And she's <laughs> like, "Are you kidding me? I just saw the tits of the other chick you're banging." <laughs>
1: idiot. <laughs> well, it is weird now that like your phone is connected to your computer and your iPad. Yes. Like that's only a recent innovation, right? Yes. Like, it is really terrifying. Is.
2: I mean, it even terrifies me when like if accidentally until I learn how to disable these things that like seeing my own text pop up on my computer Totally is, it's like, weird. disarming.
0: I find it so helpful, right? Because my phone is normally dead or missing. So like, yeah. to have another way to text somebody is great. But it really does. Like there's a but lot. How are of, you going to
1: bang that nanny? I don't
0: know. Although I guess then there's
2: the people like David who use all of the Uh, interconnections for tracking and love.
1: (laughs) I I don't know what to say. It's like I I live in the world that you guys are terrified of entering all the time.
0: And you like it there. Totally
1: comfortable. Yeah, I'm not hiding anything.
2: No nannies.
0: I can't imagine a world where I'm not hiding something from someone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry.
1: So we've been talking about uh, Gwen Stefani and her husband, Gavin Rosdale. Now let's move on to our um, interview with Sylvia from How to Make Me Come. Sylvia, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, before we start talking about the new life of the site, which I guess now is um, as a podcast, you want to tell us a little bit about how the original got started, what you were trying to do, and um, how it exploded?
3: Sure. Well, I basically wanted to create this collection of women's voices and... I wanted it to drop all at once Beyonce style because (laughs) I felt like it was important to feel the weight of so many stories at once as opposed to just reading one once a week or something like that. I felt like I wanted to create this encyclopedic collection to have people talking really honestly about the female orgasm, which is often hard to talk about.
1: And was it in your mind from the get-go that this was the main upshot of this was to show people the huge variety of ways that women were getting turned on and wanted to wanting to be sort of attended yes. to? Yeah, yeah
3: well, because I started to ask myself, how does anybody, uh, heterosexual men in particular, but really, how does anyone know what a female orgasm looks or feels like the way we usually form our opinions is through pop culture and media. So if you're getting all of your knowledge about female orgasm from movies where it's fake or pornography, where it's fake or real life, where oftentimes people are faking it and not being (laughs) honest, then you're kind of left with a lot of misinformation. And I think it just causes this like domino effect where people, it's like a game of telephone where nobody knows what's real and nobody knows how to talk to each other about sex.
1: Putting aside miscommunication for a second, can you tell us what are like the big bits of misinformation that you think are circulating out there? Like what, what I may be confused about? for a second? <laughs> Well, dated. I don't know about you in particular, <laughs>
0: but
3: I think um, just the assumption that an orgasm has taken place is huge. <laughs> um, I think if you asked every person to describe what a female orgasm looks like, you'd get a different answer or you'd get something that's essentially like you know like when her legs are shaking and she's kind of moaning like i felt like (laughs) over the years i would.
1: that was a good imitation of a man (laughs) be
3: like oh i made that girl come in like two minutes and i would just be like how did you know and they'd say something like oh she dug her fingernails into my back and i was like well how does that (laughs) Wow, it's like mental note,
2: never (laughs) dig your nails into anyone's back. What? (laughs) (laughs) That's the, 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 like, stopping point? That's the, like, start
3: point. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I think that, and and it makes sense, like, why um, it's hard to ask, especially at the moment. Um, But, yeah, I think it's just easier for people to be like, yeah, that probably happened. Um, She seemed to be into it, so it probably happened. And I'm not going to take the chance of bruising my ego or causing a tense moment conversationally by asking.
2: So when you when you dropped all these very detailed stories of like the map of how to make me come from all these women, um, you know, Beyonce style all at once, (laughs) how did you solicit them in the first place?
3: Well, I basically reached out to women I knew. And then they reached out to people they knew and they reached out to people they knew. So everyone in the initial batch is somehow linked back to me, although I didn't personally know everyone Uh. um a lot of the people i had never met but uh yeah i just kind of uh wrote this manifesto and sent it out asking people to join me
0: was there any advice where you were just like wow i literally have never thought uh, to try that or like that that could exist as or how could that
1: possibly work how
0: could that work yeah that's a good question in
3: reading um all of the essays very closely like you know many many times each essay I feel there was nothing that I was like, whoa, never thought of that. But I think there was there were just a lot of things that I was like, oh, I haven't had that experience personally. One of them was a woman describing her turn on being hearing sexual stories from her partner's past. So laying Ah. in bed with him and being like, tell me about a time you hooked up with so-and-so. And that being a way into them being sexual.
2: What about physically? Were there any just like physical surprises?
3: Well, I think what was interesting, um, I felt like there were three categories um, Mm -hmm. that ended up forming. One was women who either very rarely come or had never had an orgasm. That was a small group.
2: What kind of story would they end up having or what kind of feelings would they express?
3: I think they typically would express frustration and confusion at how to proceed in their sex lives, but kind of, you know, trying to be optimistic and accepting. But just like the feeling of, I don't know if I have ever done this or maybe it's only happened once, and so what do I do with that information? I'm kind of at a crossroads. And then I think the opposite end of the spectrum was uh, women who had no problem coming where it would be from wearing a tight pair of jeans or giving someone a hug, they would have an orgasm. Whoa,
0: what? There was
2: a hug orgasm? I'm wearing a, oh, a Yeah, jeans? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what kind
3: of jeans are we talking about? <laughs> my Is denim
2: are... available for purchase? <laughs> it's, it's my jeans are so tight, this doesn't happen. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've
3: never,
0: that's uh... incredible.
1: So how did you decide to move the whole project over to podcast form?
3: There's this podcast network called HeadGum, which was founded by Jake Hurwitz and Amir Blumenfeld, and they reached out to me about doing a podcast. And initially, I was so anxious because I was very committed to the anonymity aspect. Um, I was anxious about even using my voice.
2: Yeah, why... Um, why? Tell us a little bit about the decision for anonymity. I know Sylvia isn't actually your real name, is it?
3: No, it's a pseudonym. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wanted the anonymity for the whole group, because I didn't want the project to be about me in any way. I wanted it to be about this collection of people. And I also didn't want there to be a discernible community, because I feel like that informs how we read stuff, Who the identity of the authors. You know, if you knew this essay was written by a lawyer from San Francisco versus this one is a young mother in Oklahoma versus this one is a sorority sister. I feel like that would inform how you read each essay, not necessarily in a negative way, but it just colors your um, experience of reading it. And I wanted it to just feel like a woman is a woman is a woman.
1: And there's stories which are so different from one another. I mean, it's interesting to hear you say a woman is a woman is a woman because on some level it's like taken as a whole – the, like, the, um, the advice that the collection gives you is, like, you can never go, you, you go in always knowing nothing about the person <laughs> you're about yeah.
0: to. Yeah, yeah. like, really all snowflakes.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know, and they like, so just Yeah, there's obviously, uh, you know, diversity of experience. I didn't want people to be able to pick out or, or make make up a story about who each person was based on their profession or where they're from or anything like that.
1: Do you think that some of the contributors may have, like, you know, printed it out and given it to some dude they're going home with? Is that possible?
3: I hope so. I mean, I definitely was uh, encouraging of people to let the people who are close to them in their real lives know. And some women did report back to me and say, you know, it wasn't until I wrote this that I was actually able to have a really honest conversation with my boyfriend So that was exciting.
2: That's uplifting.
0: (laughs) I like hearing that. Well, there's
2: something about articulating it that I remember once I read all this that I was like, well, what does it take for me? And all of a sudden, like, actually putting words to all the things that you sort of, like, know by with some combination of, like, I don't know, like, you know it with your body, but you haven't literally explained it ever um, was interesting. And I think that does actually sort of shape the way you, I don't know, just the way you communicate with people or even just the way you think about things.
3: Definitely. A lot of people were like, this is one of the hardest things I've had to write. Even if you sat down thinking, oh, this will be easy because I know my body. I've been coming the same way for 10 years, whatever it is. Just really having to spell it out and explain it to someone else. And the fact that that act in itself is difficult just shows like how difficult it is to have conversations that are that articulate and open
2: it's like that weird creative writing exercise there you know like they're like describe this mysterious object that you don't have any words for you know and you're like how
0: do you describe all that so once you got over the an- uh, anonymity how did you decide to make it into a podcast and what and what were you kind of thinking for format
3: so head reached out to me about doing this podcast and i thought it would be a cool evolution of the project um, to talk about all the all the issues that were raised um, and actually my mother just was telling me that she thought the kind of tagline for the uh, podcast would be talking about talking about sex <laughs> 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 and and I kind of feel like that's that's what it is if if the blog is kind of laying bare all these intimate experiences, then I'm hoping that the podcast can just be having real conversations about all of those things. For the first one, I had three women come in and were all anonymous on the podcast, and the theme was the evolution of how you talk about sex, in particular with your friends, how your conversations progress from adolescence to adulthood.
2: What do you think would happen if there was a how to make me come by men? Would that be you know, a value? It has, would it be horrific? It come
3: up a lot. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting because I feel like the great irony of delving so deeply into examining female orgasm is that it's made me infinitely curious about male orgasm in a way that I wasn't previously. And I think that maybe in the same way, there's. A sort of pressure and complication for women of their sexual experience I think the same thing exists for men and it's talked about even less because we just assume it's so simple for men that it and I think it it often is like it often is very simple but I think we have such a reductive sense of like the male sexual experience that there's like very little compassion I think for in a heterosexual experience. We're conditioned to see the male orgasm as punctuation, and that in itself is, that's so much pressure. I think if you did a male version of this, yes, probably a lot would just be like, oh, you know, just like go down on me for a few minutes and that's pretty (laughs) easy, but but I don't think it is exactly the same for each guy. It's interesting
2: because um, it strikes me that we always talk about the idea of like demystifying sexuality and whatnot, but like the sort of to me the sum total of what you're doing is actually you realize how utterly mystifying it is, and that like we really don't know. Like each person is so different. There's no one universal rule for any of it.
3: Of course, yeah. I, I mean, something I've been thinking about a lot lately is: so we have all these sexual feelings. We get limited information from school. We typically get limited information from our family. Um, So you end up forming a sexual vocabulary from just awkward initial experiences, trial and error, and misinformation from people who are the same age as you who are just as inexperienced. And, And there's no point when you get older where it's like, okay, so now that we've had five years of fooling around with people, and we've learned some stuff, let's revisit and let's have like an adult sex ed. You just get a tiny bit of information when you're a teenager and then everything else is like, well, just figure it out, I guess.
1: Do you guys feel like in general, putting aside the question of like talking to men or men, especially men you're sleeping with, do you guys feel inhibited in having those conversations with other female friends? Like are you able to have open conversations about your sex lives or do you feel like you're...
2: Well, you're probably asking the three wrong yes, women that question <laughs> obviously we all Although, have no issue I mean, talking our heads off. But I do have
0: friends outside of like this circle yes, that's of, like, true. Yeah, that like just aren't as comfortable. I have They'll friends I like,
2: don't talk about sex with as well. Right. And
0: people who are like, <laughs> yeah, oh, I've, yeah. sl- I've slept with him or like, we did it. It was good sex in. But like they're not going to get technical and like, is yeah. it like I like butt play or whatever, you know, like they're not, <laughs> right. they're not volunteering all the – some people are – you know, have manners. I guess I don't know. <laughs>
3: don't talk well, I about other brunch. I think it's typically harder when you're dealing with a problem. I think people. It's easy mm-hmm. to be open when you're like, "Oh, I got laid last night, and here were the five most amazing things that happened." Versus like
2: five. Were the <laughs> five.
3: <laughs> Damn girl. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um. But versus, okay, I had sex last night, and here's. Yeah. Let me walk you through how uncomfortable or strange <laughs> yeah. each thing was.
0: Right, that's a lot harder to admit and like dissect. Yeah, that's not fun brunch talk. I guess. Like,
2: yeah, that's true. <laughs>
0: it
1: would be a good brunch conversation to overhear from the next table. Absolutely.
2: Now. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, <laughs> that's to, that. that's what I dream of sitting next to every time I go to a restaurant. Um, yeah. If we can return really quickly. You mentioned the woman who has orgasms from hugging. Can you tell us a little more about this? Is it like anyone hugs or she has an orgasm? Is it embarrassing? Is it fun?
3: I think it's, um, I think there's like a double-edged sword to the women who wrote about, uh, coming so easily. Uh Uh-huh. Because in some ways it's like, oh, how amazing. So little effort went into this amazing feeling. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, if I came at minute 2 of the sexual experience and the person i'm hooking up with wants you know another 20 minutes of this like then maybe you're already bored or maybe you're already like i'm done mentally
2: or just having um, that experience like i imagine if your pants are making you come and like you're going <laughs> to come in weird places you might be surrounded by people you don't want to have an
3: orgasm near uh, right yeah no i do think there is like the potential for embarrassment i i you know, I mean,
1: hugging in particular, the, really, the the Venn overlap of, like, people you hug and people you actually want to, it's actually the pretty slim overlap. Like, you're yeah. hugging yeah. grandparents like you're, right. and Like You know,
2: I literally, I think or... I never hug the people I want to have
1: orgasms yeah.
3: with. We <laughs> just make out. <laughs>
2: I think there are no hugs there.
3: I, w- I would imagine there needs to be some sort of... Uh connection beforehand. I don't think it would be, or at least from this one essay I'm thinking about, I don't think it would be a hug from just anybody. I think uh, if it's someone she's very attracted to or dating or something. I also feel like I'd be pissed if I, like,
2: hugged somebody and then they had an orgasm from it. And I'd be like, I didn't want to give you that. I didn't give you permission. <laughs>
3: you robbed me. I think I would be very proud. I'd be like, <laughs> I helped you do that.
2: Like <laughs> me go. Didn't barely lift a pinky.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. Sylvia, thanks so much for coming on. It was really a blast to talk to you. um, Yeah, you
3: too.
1: We're going to keep listening to your podcast, so keep it up.
3: Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much.
1: I think the Jezebel headline said it best. It's 2015 and men are still being pussies about eating pussy. That piece is by Tracy Moore. Which is about another piece published on The Tab by a guy named William Lloyd, a kind of proud confession that no matter what you think of him for it, he's just not going to go down on you. I've always been kind of amazed by this kind of straight man who proudly talks about how gross he finds women. This seemed insane to me as like a 14 year old when it was like going down on women was like the only thing I could think about, and maybe not that less insane to me now. What do you, is this? What is wrong with these men?
2: So, <laughs> I don't know. I, for a very long time, had this theory that, like, I just did not believe that these were real people. That I was like, there is literally no...
1: So you've never encountered a man who is like, I'm not going to go down on no. you?
2: Never once, And no. not only that, I have never encountered a man who wasn't willing to, other than, you know, when I was, like, maybe, like, 16, and everybody was just, like, afraid and didn't know how sex worked yet, and you're just, like, afraid of anything. But, like, not only have I never But even them, in that
1: context, I feel like going down on a girl is, like, a less fraught you're like, oh I can explore and figure this out. Whereas like yeah, if you're you actually can see like see it with your <laughs> eyes. Yeah. yeah, you're up close. You it.
2: How does this work? Um that's like my theory that I'm like you always have to give oral sex with the lights on because that's how you like look and make sure he's everything's functioning, yeah. right? Don't get herpes. Oh,
0: fair.
1: Take a look.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Eyeball check. No teeth. <laughs> but I have heard way more women say, I don't really like guys going down on me as much as they like it. I need this guy to stop going down on me. He always wants to do this and sometimes I don't want to.
0: And I find that there's a lot of like... Uh, it's like they've done a chore. They're like, look at me. I love going down on you. The same way some dudes are like, I took out the trash today. Like, it's like I've given you something.
1: (laughs) But I have to say, like, what you know, whatever happens behind closed doors, I still feel like dudes, when talking to dudes about their sex lives, do occasionally say they don't like going down on girls. Really? And
0: what, what, what are the reasons? Explain this to us.
1: I mean, it's always seemed a total mystery puzzle to me. And it's also always seemed like, you know, a residue of like their inner 11 year old. Like, like adult they're actually men? not adult men, but they're they, they must talking
0: to children about this, <laughs> like...
1: All of my nine year old cousins, they're just like, <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think ultimately though, that that is what it is. It's like they haven't really like come to terms with it... what it means to be turned on by a woman, and there's some part of them that isn't like, is
2: it a shame reaction? Are they like, I've never, I'm really ashamed to admit this, but or are they kind of like, ew.
1: I think it's like some, you know, some leftover adolescent swagger. There's oh. like a little pride in how much they demand wow. from their women. Do you think like it means they're
0: just not good at it? That's do you think, don't think like that men brag about
2: going down? Like, I am so good at going down. They do,
1: but I think that's also a little weird. Um,
2: yes,
1: yes. <laughs> I think it's like sort of a, like a sign that they're not very confident in fucking. Yes. If they're like, if they're talking about what a, what a game they have going down on women.
2: Well, I think if someone's talking about what a game they have in general, there's something a little weird. Yeah. Like if people are the the degree of offering that up, it's a little overcompensating. Perhaps. perhaps. Although, like I more fully support, I would rather the culture be in the way of somebody bragging of like I can make a woman come, as opposed to like I would never try. <laughs>
0: I know. Um, I don't want to touch it. One's Ew. a bragging.
2: One could be construed as a bragging point, and the other cannot. Right. What happened? Have you ever seen this thing where a guy? <laughs> um. I forgot one of my friends had a name for this when you like turn around you turn back and all of a sudden the person you're like making out with is like all the way naked and you're like what <laughs> how did you get and you're just like it's like this weird way of like pressuring you to have sex or like announcing like I'm all the way naked now we now you have to do something with my naked body and I think my rebellion against that was I was having a perfectly nice like make out gropey whatever with a guy and I like turned around I turned back and he's completely naked I'm like what the hell and I was like wow what if I just let you be completely naked and do not touch your body wait so I people- to just like make out and he's all the naked i'm just like i'm not gonna touch that there are people in okcupid okay who request that
0: though i have seriously met more than one of them actually. what they request
1: which part of it that like, like they, immediately nude
0: they're like they're nude you're fully clothed and like like you don't sexually pleasure them like it's enough for them it's like a fetish it's like naked man fully clothed woman i don't know there's like an acronym for it but um oh my god yeah, i'm so a... much less intuitive it turns out that's what he wanted it might have been I what he like... wanted he might have been tricking you without like I telling know. you what he really wanted but like yeah that he could have like, been enough for him i'm
2: naked aren't you gonna be naked and i was like no i didn't say you could get naked you fine might you're just had... gonna stand there in your naked awkwardness oh my god he might have had, you had a fetish it? it might have been a fetish damn it i thought i was being really mean
0: i've i've been messaged by like Maybe three people who've asked for that.
1: Have you Have you met one of these people?
0: Hey, that is my personal. <laughs> <laughs> I've
2: met him apparently.
1: <laughs> so, listeners, we want to hear from you about this about going down on women, about women who have been with men who don't want to go down on them, about whether you can talk about it, whether you can change someone's mind. Call us and tell us. the The number for our sex lives voicemail box is six four six four nine four. 3590. And we'll play at least one of these, maybe a couple of them next week and um, respond. And that's it for this week. Thanks to our guest Sylvia from How to Make Me Come. Our producer is Sam Dingman. Thanks also, as always, to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. See you guys next time, and thanks for listening.